0: Welcome to a special simulcast episode. Uh, this episode you'll be able to watch on the IlliniCast and also the Big Ten Show on Twitter. Uh, this show is going to be on a slightly touchy subject. Uh, there's a lot of news coming out of Champaign with the Terrence Shannon Jr. Um, being charged with rape uh, for an incident in Kansas that happened in September. and as a lot of you know, I've been very kind of careful talking about this. Uh, it's it's not my area of expertise. I may have gone to school for a very long time, but uh, none of those none of that tenure involved uh, law of uh, any sort of law class whatsoever. But I did want to. I know this. You know, a lot of this fan base does care about what's going on, and uh, you know, unfortunately, I've seen over the last couple of weeks a lot of internet lawyers. Uh, all of a sudden show up on my timeline. And what I wanted to do actually was to bring on an actual lawyer, someone who has been kind of paying attention to uh, the documents and the proceedings. And so that's what I'm going to do now. I'm going to welcome on Mitch, Mitch Gilfillan uh, onto the onto the show today. Mitch, thank you so much for coming on. Yes, thank you Sonny, for having me. Mitch, if you don't mind I'm just giving the audience a kind of a little background of uh, who you are. Sure.
1: Uh, and again, I appreciate the time to, uh, to share some insight from a legal perspective. Uh, I'm a, a law partner at the Quinn Johnson Law Firm in Peoria, Illinois. Um, I have no affiliation uh, to anybody involved in this case. Um, I'm an objective observer, um, but I've obviously seen the pleadings and what has gone on. And uh, in the state of Illinois, obviously basketball is a major deal. Uh, and this has been in the spotlight um, for, you know sadly, some very unfortunate events that are alleged. Um, and obviously those are very uh, sensitive in nature and to all victims that are out there, this is very serious and not at all uh, an attempt to downplay or be insensitive to any of those issues. But there are certain things that are alleged and there are certain defenses that are put forth. And obviously that's what I'm here to talk
0: about. And again, you know, it's it's very important for me that we I have a trained eye uh, looking at the documents and, you know, the facts about the case before I try to discuss it myself, So Mitch, uh, you know, it just, the ruling just came out uh, a few minutes before we started recording. Uh, Judge Lawless has decided to defer her, I don't defer her ruling. I I don't know if that's what you call it. Um, In the grand scheme of things, what does that mean?
1: Sure. And so when a judge defers, or as most uh, judges and judicial systems call it, they take a matter under advisement. Uh, What that means is they need a further opportunity to review the pleadings that have been filed, further opportunity to do their own research on the case law that has been cited, um, and really make an informed, uh, you know, prudent decision on the facts that are before them. Um, I think this is a necessary step, uh, given the lightning rod pace that this case has been on since it was filed just three to four days ago. Um, just within the past 48 hours, there's been over 220 pages worth of documents uh, for a judge to go through. Uh, frankly, that would be unfair for the judge and really unfair for the parties, for the judge to issue an order on the spot, or as we call it, you know, in the legal system from the bench um, in such short notice. And so I'm actually not surprised at all that um, the judge took the matter under advisement or deferred the case uh,
0: for uh, for at least a week or so and perhaps sooner. So when... A ruling is deferred. Uh, What generally tends to be the timeline? Uh, Like, if you had to guess, obviously you have no, you know, expertise in this particular. But um, could it take a month? Could it take months? Is it a matter of a couple hours, a couple days? Great question. It's really in the discretion of the court. Um,
1: I've had rulings before uh, at the state court level and even at the federal court level, where judges have taken their time, and and by time I mean taking their time to understand what the best decision. Uh, is to be made. I don't think there's any intention at all to delay the case, but they have a full busy docket. And I think what litigants and the, the community in general thinks that judges can on a dime make a quick decision. And that's not fair to the court or to the parties that are involved. And so one thing that stood out to me, um from the the court hearing today and this is a publicly filed case i mean i want to make sure that everybody understands there's no confidential information being disclosed i'm disclosing information that is on a publicly filed federal online docket called pacer and when the judge said she's taken the matter under advisement but would issue a decision in an expedited manner to me that typically means within seven days expedited to some may mean 24 hours or 48 hours but obviously, we got a weekend coming up. we got Martin Luther King on Monday. Uh, I would anticipate a decision sometime next week. But by all means, I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it went into and leaked into the, the following week. Um, judges have the prior, their own priority on their own docket when they want to make a decision and when they want that decision to go public. Uh, some decisions do take 30 days or 60 days to make.
0: Uh, and that can be frustrating, but that's part of the process. So the waiting game continues for uh, Illini fans.
1: It does. And that's something that Terrence Shannon has to live with every single day. I mean, he's in a waiting game in Kansas that could go on for minimum six months, but up to two years. Um, everybody has, in a criminal case, the right to a speedy trial, but speedy means a lot of different things in a different jurisdictions. And so uh, you're right, the patient's uh, game continues.
0: Let's talk about... Uh the Shannon legal team's uh, perspective on this whole case right now. Obviously, you know, they uh, wrote a letter to the University of Illinois student uh, athlete panel, um, you know, kind of asking to um, revoke this uh, indefinite suspension. What have you seen as kind of the strategy behind the Shannon side uh, in this case moving forward?
1: Yeah, so it's really um, multifold as to what the arguments that they're attacking on why their client, Terrence Shannon Jr., was not provided the adequate due process um, that everybody expects when they're involved in in the court system. Um, As I said earlier, I'm not involved in this case. I did not do any research. I did not prepare any of the pleadings. I do not know any of the lawyers that are involved in this case. Uh, However, I can review the documents that are filed and I see they filed that motion for Uh, temporary restraining order and preliminary injunctive relief, which means they want something to happen now. And by now, that could mean within seven days, within 14 days, but for some sort of relief to happen sooner than later. As we all know, the, the criminal case in Kansas is later this month, and that's just a status hearing. There'll be no decision whatsoever on his future in the Kansas court case. They could set a trial date for all we know in November or December this year. Well, by that time, obviously, the season's long over. The season will be over potentially within 60 days, 75 days for most college basketball teams. Um, and for Terrence Shannon, someone has projected lottery, a potential lottery pick uh, and, and an All-American uh, vote getter at some point. Um, that can be doomsday, uh, given that timeline and, and where the direction this is going. What the, the legal team essentially did for Taryn Shannon is try to craft their argument in the sense that he was not afforded the appropriate safeguards and procedures that uh, every student athlete should be given or, or student at the University of Illinois should be given when uh, such a case like this exists. Um, I, I want to first start out by pointing out that the case has been removed to federal court. I've had a lot of people in my comments and in the inbox uh, ask me, uh, why was it removed to federal court and what's the purpose of that? valid question. Um, The case was initially filed in Champaign County, meaning they were asking a Champaign court judge to issue a decision in the state court. Uh, However, the University of Illinois came in and they said, wait a second, you've posed a federal question. So the federal question that's at stake is Title IX. As we all know, Title IX has been uh, alleged to have been violated. So because of that, a Title IX case is is involved, that triggered University of Illinois to step in and ask the case to be removed. to the federal court, which happens in a lot of different cases for cases to get kicked up to the federal court. If there's two ways to get into federal court by diversity jurisdiction, um, in a case arising over $75,000 and also when a federal question is presented and this is the case here. Um, you know, I don't have the ins and outs of the uh, you know intercollegiate athletic policy. I think the DIA is what it's called at the University of Illinois. I have not thoroughly read that and vetted that. However, uh, when Josh Whitman conducted his initial investigation in September, when all this went initially down, he did not determine that there was enough evidence at that time in violation of the school policy to suspend him or uh, you know, penalize him in any way. That all changed when December 27th came out and the warrant was issued for his arrest for two very serious allegations. Um, not only that, the police report gave the school, the University of Illinois, enough evidence at that point to say, we need to step in and take, you know, take precaution, take measures on behalf of our own school. Completely understand that. And that's where I do see there is a, a hurdle for the the Terrence Shannon side to overcome is when you sign up on scholarship paperwork to attend a university on a scholarship, you automatically, by signing those documents, acquiesce to the school policy and school code. Um, their code is pretty crystal, uh, crystal clear on what it says cannot be violated when it reaches a level of, I believe it's uh, you know, either serious misconduct or uh, serious offenses, they can then step in and offer some sort of, of punishment. And they did so in this case.
0: So they've, they obviously uh, filed for a temporary restraining order. And then the University of Illinois had a set amount of time in order to respond to the courts, if I'm getting my timelines correctly. And they kind of submitted their paperwork uh, last night, uh, which was Thursday, July or Jan, sorry, January 11th. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. And so when you file a petition for a temporary restraining order like Terrence Shannon's you know, camp did, you're asking for a judge to you know, rule on it immediately. You're basically saying to the court, we need relief immediately because what is happening is going to cause irreparable harm. That's what they've alleged. Uh, and if he's not allowed to, to play on the basketball team and participate, he's going to continue uh, to be harmed by, by a result of that. So that was filed, I believe on January 8th or 9th. And then just last night, like you said, on January 11th, the University of Illinois filed their response. I'll give the University of Illinois credit they, Terrence Shannon's side filed a hundred and nine-page motion, and within seventy-two hours, the University of Illinois filed a hundred and twelve-page motion in response. Wow. And both both parties cited significant amount of case law. I believe it was both parties combined over fifty-five cases were cited, and these cases are not simple four-page cases. Some of these cases are twenty-five to thirty pages. So you do the math on that for a judge to review cases that people are citing to make their point. I mean that you're talking, you know, a potentially a thousand plus pages for a judge to review, and she just received this last night. That's why the court took this under advisement so it could make the the appropriate decision given the circumstances.
0: So ultimately, Terrence Shannon's team has kind of uh, put forth the the story that delaying this is going to cause irreparable damage to his. I don't know if I'm using the proper word brand, uh, you know, and to move forward, you know, collecting, um, you know, money, you know, whether it be, it's being playing professional here or uh, abroad. Like, how is, uh, is that correct? Basically, like he, he the reason that's the reason for his uh, filing for the temporary uh, restraining order? Correct. I mean, that that's what they're alleging is he's going to suffer uh, an
1: immense amount of uh, harm by not playing. And he set forth uh, in his uh, memorandum of support and also in an affidavit, uh, that he supports family members, that he's a projected first rounder, maybe even a lottery pick, that he's a you know, potential All-American. All of these things in his mind, and perhaps rightfully so, have value to them. Um, and so because he's not able to play, that's the harm he's believing he's suffering. University of Illinois, in response, is essentially saying, you have no right whatsoever or privilege to be on this basketball team. It's not an absolute right. You signed up. You understood there were certain, you know, stipulations and conditions to be a part of this program. You didn't follow those, therefore, we're taking that right away. And so that's where the parties are at odds right now. Um, you know, I, I do think it was interesting though. In the University of Illinois' response, is that they essentially said any argument about Tarrant Shannon Jr.'s future and his potential earning, you know, capacity is completely speculative. And I think Illini Nation may say otherwise and say, "Wait a minute." First of all, he's getting a boatload of NIL money. And second of all, he's the face of the the organization. You know, he's been talked about on on nearly every major broadcaster across the country as a potential first team All American. That spotlight that generates the name image likeness argument that, you know, has value to it. And we all know in this new day and age with NIL, you know, players have a brand and they have a a, you know a value to their, their person. And so to take that away from someone, that's the irreparable
0: harm that he's claiming exists. Obviously, there's a lot of Illini fans who are going to be watching this particular show who see on the other side, you know, on the University of Illinois' um, response, you have Josh Whitman, you know, making his statements. You had uh, assistant coach Jeff Alexander making his statements, almost making it sound to be like they're going against each other when legally of course they are but how do i say how do i phrase this properly josh whitman uh he went to law school you know he he understands law pretty well it's just just the university doing their due diligence and playing the straight and narrow here uh in regards to you know ultimately just wanting justice to prevail but not trying to show like there's any sort of bias uh one way or the other just to get their star player playing Correct.
1: And I, I do not know Josh Whitman. Um, I have heard nothing but good things about him um, from people that are very close to him. And I know from a, you know being a, a casual observer uh, of Illini athletics that he's done a terrific job. Um, I put this out earlier. His hands are completely tied right now. I feel for him. Um, obviously, along with the victim, the alleged victim in this case, and for Terrence Shannon, nobody's winning in all of this. And so you have, you know, Josh Whitman, who's done a fantastic job at Illinois, faced with a a no-win situation whatsoever. He's obligated under his own contract to enforce the, the school policy. If he ignores that or tries to sidestep that in any way, that puts his own future in jeopardy. And he is a man that is by the book uh, and has done a fantastic job, you know, and been successful getting to this point, he knows how this works out. You mentioned already that he's, you know, went to law school. He has practiced law in his past. I saw that in his bio. And so he understands this legal process more than you and I, and probably more than most of the lawyers that are involved in this case, because he's seeing it from both sides, the university side, the student athlete side, and then obviously the legal side too. Um, You know, but for, for the University of Illinois, there are many fans out there that I'm sure rightfully say, we cannot have this this type of behavior, not even alleged, and we should not stand for this. I get that point. And if there is truly a violation of serious misconduct, well, those issues will play itself out. I just think where the other side of the line Nation is coming in on this is saying, well, wait a minute, he never had his true day in court with the, with the school. You know, did he ever have a hearing where he was able to present his side? You know, he did say uh, release a statement. He sent an email back on December, I believe, 28th. Or December 29 2023 where he essentially said this is what happened when I went to Kansas um, and I do know that you know coach Alexander and, and Whitman also released affidavits you know filed with the court as to what happened and, and what you know went on from their point of view. Um, I just think you know from a global perspective you feel for the University of Illinois at this point um, regardless of the outcome, let's say the judge grants the petition for temporary relief and he's reinstated. Well, all of a sudden now you have this guy who's alleged to have done something terribly wrong in a completely different state, now a part of your program. And how do they move forward with that? How do they go on? Um, and does he fall right back into the mix? Is there, the team gonna be targeted on the road uh, when they travel? You know, it, There's a lot of unknowns that could happen if he comes back. And if he doesn't come back, people are gonna think somehow the University of Illinois is in the wrong, when in all reality, they're following their school code and their school policy. And so, it's it's going to be a tough decision for the judge. Um, she's obviously got a a lot you know at stake you know in this decision, given what's been alleged. Um, but I'm
0: confident she'll make the right decision. Yeah, as you said, there's really going to be no winners uh, in this particular situation. Uh, fans, I feel like, are going to be upset one way or the other. And I just hope that most of the folks, at least watching this show, understand that some things are a little bit bigger than basketball and i for one at least feel like at least the university has kind of recognized that and kind of respect the fact that they're at least going through the process uh in a a proper manner like they're not trying to cut any any shortcuts or anything like that yeah
1: and i think think to that point sonny is that the state of kansas should appreciate that too is that Illinois is not just making a knee jerk decision, releasing him into the wind and saying, we're fine. We're ignoring this. He's taken this very seriously. He's been 100% compliant. And to your point, this is obviously a serious issue and all victims of domestic violence, domestic assault, sexual assault, all of those things, um, they need to be, you know, they need to be properly addressed. Um, but. When you, right now, as we have here today, the evidence that is shown, and I'm not gonna get into the specifics of the criminal side of it, you just feel for Terrence Shannon wondering, did he have his day
0: when only one side's been presented? The circus continues. Uh, this could, as Mitch said, it could last a couple hours. It could ask a, land a, you know, a couple days, a week, who knows? Hopefully, once we have at least an update on this restraining order, Uh, we can bring Mitch back on. But Mitch, I did want to thank you so much. Again, I've been kind of hesitant to speak on it from my behalf, just because of the touchy nature of the subject. But uh, I'm very much relieved, and I'm sure my audience is relieved that uh, we got, you know, someone with a legal background uh, to be able to really discuss what the proceedings are and what they mean uh, moving forward. Thank you. Yeah, honored to be a part of it and uh, happy to continue the discussion. Thank you. And again, uh, Mitch, uh, where can uh, my audience find you?
1: Yeah, so I'm on Twitter. I'm not uh, um, super active, if you will, but my uh, Twitter handle is at Mitch Gilfillan. Um, Obviously, this has been a a pertinent issue that has arisen uh, lately that has caught my interest. Uh, I am a former college basketball coach. I represent a handful of college coaches, so I'm still connected to the game, but uh, I practice law in Peoria, uh, and I'm certainly
0: happy if time permits to answer questions down the road if, if those exist. Thank you again, uh, Mitch, for your time. As for the audience, uh, if you want to be continue to keep up uh, with what's going on with the case, please, if you don't mind, just hit that subscribe button. I'm going to be trying to give out as much information uh, in a proper channel as often as I can. And we appreciate your time, and we'll talk to you later.